Because we like to keep our lights on, now a word from our sponsor. Founded in 2011 and headquartered in New York City, SongTrust maintains the most extensive accessible publishing network in the industry with a global network of direct society collections with 45 plus performance, mechanical, and digital societies globally covering 120 plus territories. SongTrust is owned and operated by Downtown Music Holdings. And now friends, I have a deal for you. Visit songtrust.com forward slash pubcast and take advantage of their 20% discount off the one-time registration just for listening to the AIMP Nashville Pubcast. And now let's get on with our episode. Hey friends, on this episode of the AIMP Nashville Pubcast, we have Senior Director A&R at Spirit Music, Derek Wells. If you've listened to any country music in the past five years, more than likely you've heard his deluxe guitar work. But on this episode, you get to know him as a champion of songwriters. Welcome back, listeners. I am over the top today to be sitting with my good friend and amazingly talented friend, Derek Wells, today. And as before we started rolling tape, I was telling him, I said, I hadn't really sat down and wrote and written down all his accolades before. And I said, get ready, man. Your ego's going to get big, even though I know he doesn't have one. He's very <laughs> humble. But I started looking up your stuff, dude. Like, 2016, I do remember that you were the youngest person to win an ACM for Guitar Player of the Year that mm-hmm. year, which was crazy. And also, that same, wasn't it the same year you were nominated for a CMA? Also yeah. the youngest mm-hmm. person on that? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. How old were you then? Well, I was still pretty, I guess, I mean, I would have been like almost 33, something like that. So, I mean, not, you know, not a baby, I don't think, but uh, it was, yeah, that, you know, I guess uncommon that you you get in those lists that early even. Yeah, it was just, I mean, because we met originally, like you were doing a, a musician and as we, as you've stated before on some things, you, you started off kind of in the live field, but then once mm-hmm. you hit the, the studio scene, like you were the guy for all the demos, but then that transition, everybody likes to think it's an overnight town, but you probably started doing demos in like early 2000s, like 2006, seven, eight, somewhere in there, right? Yeah, I mean, like my, <clears throat> you know, it's it's funny when people ask that question. It, there, there's to me, there's almost two qualities because or two two qualifications because you definitely come up through what I call session ghetto, you know. <laughs> and so, you know, when people say, "Well, when did you start doing sessions?" It's like, "Well, man, I mean, I was recording." you know, guitars in some dude's house by Opryland and, you know, whatever year, but I don't really necessarily call that playing sessions, you know? Um, but I, yeah, I do always, uh, we mentioned, I mentioned this earlier to you before we started talking about my, I, my first actual like publishing company demo session was like 2009 for, uh, for Megan James when she was at EMI. At Station West, Station West studio. And I can still tell you the, the engineer and the entire, I can tell you every player that was there, and the engineer that worked there, and I still see most of those guys to this day. That is a mighty good memory. So I, I like to point that out because, as I mentioned, these years, because again, 2016 is when you won your first ACM, mm-hmm. youngest person nominated for CMA. I remember that it was a great year. Mm-hmm. And then this year you won your second ACM, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you were nominated for a, a Grammy, and I believe that was uh, Marin Morris's Hero mm-hmm. Record, correct? Yep. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I think it was 2018, you were also a Music Row All-Star Musician Award. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, if you listen at all to current country radio, you have heard this man's tasty licks, guitar solos on pretty much every (laughs) artist known to man. I couldn't even write a list out. It was so long. I would say if they like it, it's me. If they don't, it definitely wasn't me. (laughs) (laughs) And then... 
in the last couple years, and you can, I don't know the years that you started, but then you started transitioning into the role of producer. You went from live guy, studio guy, then moved on to produce. You've worked with people such as Granger Smith, Maddie and Tay. You produced or co-produced Scotty McCreary's uh, number one single, This Is It, which mm -hmm. I believe has gone platinum now, yeah. which is amazing. Yeah. And not only all that, I don't know where you find extra time. You also sit on boards for the CMAs and you're on committees for ACMs and the Grammys. Yeah. And why I brought you in today is you've officially transitioned to a publisher, an a &R, <laughs> no. which is also just amazing. Uh, you recently joined over at Spirit as the senior director of A&R. Mm -hmm. So I guess the first question is, where do you find time to do any of this? <laughs> <laughs> Someone asked me the other day, one of our, one of the people I work with has been like, how do you, how do you get all that done? And I said, barely. That's, okay. the, <laughs> that's the answer. A lot of people have interesting definitions of the word producer and what yeah. that entails. Right. So yeah. as a guy that's transitioned, what, how do you define that role and really see that role? Because there's a lot of aspects to that. There are a lot. And, and the, 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 the simple answer uh, um, is just that, truthfully, it's different for every project. Because every project and then specifically every artist, and then, you know, if you, then if you broaden the scope, the artist and their team... They have different needs, right? You know, and so um, some artists are very, very, very hands-on. They're very, very good with direction. They're very, very good at, you know, maybe kind of speaking the lingo. Maybe they come from a musical background and, or I should say a musician background, or maybe they come from an engineering background. You know, nowadays there's some young artists that are really amazing kind of producers themselves in terms of building tracks and doing that kind of stuff. So, you know, it ranges... You know, it's, I always like to say this, that there's a, there's basically a menu that the producer can offer and then it really is kind of a la carte, you uh -huh. know, and, uh, the kind of the obvious ones are, you know, budgeting, you know, working out timelines, being in contact with a label about when things are due, that kind of stuff, getting the right team in place, hiring a proper band. You know, if you're thinking about a specific mix engineer, specific editing team, all that kind of stuff, if background vocalists are a part, you know, so... On the front end, it's a lot of casting. Um, and then from an A&R perspective, some artists and teams, you're a little bit more involved in that. You know, um, on an act like Scotty McCreary, thankfully, he really listens to, to me and Frank and Aaron about song selection. We get to sit down and talk about that kind of stuff. And then there's other projects, they go, hey, here's the songs. This is what <laughs> you're cutting, you know? And then same thing, man, you know, some artists um, are, are there really engaged. They want to be there for every part and every overdub. Some people like to just be there for the tracking and then they go, well, yeah, man, kind of do your thing and let me know when you're ready for it. And, and then some artists are, are very, hand, they go, hey, man, I'm, I'm an entertainer. I'm a storyteller. This is not my world. Do your thing. I trust you, you know? And so it, there's, there's just a, you know, a myriad of things you know, from that menu that they can all kind of choose all a cart. And then sometimes they go, man, just do it all. Take the chef's tasting. <laughs> Give me all of it. You know, <laughs> they go, okay, cool. I'll do that. So, um, but the, the bottom line for me as a producer, it, it really, I would say 80% of it is just, you're the guy that's got to get it across the finish line. You got to, right. you got to solve the problems. You got to get the people there. You got to make sure the deadlines are there. And you, you, bottom line for me, the, the best producers that I know and the ones that I love and respect the most are, they're just finishers. They're not just idea guys. 
They're not just, you know, throwing things out in the room all the time or they're and they're not just, you know, completely just, just a song guy or just this. It's like they're finishers. They get it done. And that's what you're there to do. That's what I advise. I think as the as our market has transitioned, we get into this a little too, is that, you know, uh, it used to just be standard that writers wrote songs. You typically took them in the studio. The studio musicians would build them out, and there you have your track. But as you mentioned, we have more and more in the box, a lot of track writer producers. Completely. And so there's a whole new field, and those guys are moving in. I work with a lot of those guys yeah. now, and I always try to educate them because – I think most of them would like to move forward into the production realm. Yeah. And, and I tell them, I said, there's a lot involved there that you need to understand. And it's A, relationships, as you mentioned, because you, yeah. you do have to dance around labels and Management, creative talents. Yeah, the and, whole thing, yeah. And then the budgeting. I try to teach them early mm -hmm. on, like, you have to come in on time. You have to come in on budget. Mm -hmm. You have to know what that budget is. And there's just a whole lot involved. That's and, right. And to grow to me and be a fully well-rounded producer, if yeah. that's your goal, to be a producer and do a lot of uh, acts out there. Yeah, yeah. And that's where I just feel like I've been, man, I mean, just, uh, I guess lucky is the word. I feel like there should be a bigger <laughs> version of it in this instance. But, you know, getting to be around as a musician, all the producers and, and also uh, you know, A and R staff, and also production assistants. You know, there's a, there's there's three or four people in this town that really help these producers on, on that side that are game changers. And and I feel really lucky that I've kind of gotten to take my my favorite aspects of how all these guys work and go. Oh man, I really like the way so and so does this on these sessions, and this is a that's a really good thing. But I really like the way this guy built this into the budget because then that backs him up in case he needs to do this and that kind of stuff. And I feel really really fortunate of the vantage point that I've had that I've kind of been able to gleam some of my my favorite pieces of all those guys process you know again keep paying attention learning you learned all this through mm -hmm. the process of mm -hmm. being a, a, a student of the art of what we do which always, is, which always, is always. amazing Now, we're going to take the next jump because, again, <laughs> as we mentioned recently, you have slid into publishing, yeah. which is uh, which is a whole new bag of crazy, <laughs> yeah. as you're probably learning out oh, quickly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, first off, what, what inspired you or led you to even, was this something that you had thought about or did this opportunity come to you or combo? A million dollar question. And it, and it, it is a little bit of both. Um, for the last, you know, I'd say maybe starting about five years ago, I started to kind of get this thing in the back of my brain of just, go, man, I love songwriters. You know, I mean, you kind of know some of the circles I run in personally. Like my best friends are songwriters. All my my running buddies are songwriters, you know. And um, I'm just such a song guy anyway like even as a guitar player like i never i never geeked out over like instrumental music or guitar geek stuff like i liked playing songs but i'm also not a writer myself i don't feel like that's my gift you know and uh you know as the kind of dream of producer started to happen it'd be like man man it'd be awesome to to have a you know a clear path of like being able to sign some writers that i just believe in that i think are great and then, you know, maybe I can get their songs on records that I'm producing if that worked out right, you know, or get artists, you know. And, but it's a little bit of a pipe dream, but I just kind of thought, man, that would, be, that would be really great someday. 
Well, <laughs> enter Frank Rogers, my, <laughs> my, my friend and, and mentor, and he's just been a dear, uh, you know, Frank put me on my first master record when he hired me for Scotty Mercury um, in like 2012. And um, he and I, and, and he, even his whole family, I mean, like he's, uh, he's kind of a big brother to me and he and his wife, Jess, have just been great to me. And we've, we bonded on a level pretty quickly outside of work. And, you know, Frank called me, you know, the beginning of this year and said, hey, come by the house. I want to talk to you about something. And that's just not like him, you know. And <laughs> he kind of started to spell out a little bit of a transition that was going to be happening um, at Spirit Music. And and the conversation started as, well, man, I just love you. And I'd love to find a way to work together in a more official way. I don't know if that's something you'd be interested in. And I don't know what it would look like at all, but I just want to start the dialogue. And of course, my response was, well, man, uh, you know, Frank, any, any way I could work more closely with you, I'm a fan of, I, you know, love you and respect you and count me in. And he was like, well, a lot's up in the air. I still don't even really know, you know, for sure my own role in this. So, you know, but let's, let's just start talking about it. And that's what we did. And we just kind of started, I started going over there on the weekends and we would just sit with notepads and kind of dream. Well, what was, you know, the first day he said, what, what's Derek Wells' dream job? And I just laughed at it. I said, Frank, I don't know, man. What, who gets asked that question, you know? And he goes, well, I'm not saying I can give it to you. He goes, I just want to know, you know? I was like, well, all right. And we, and we just kind of hashed it out. And, you know, I remember one of the first things I told him, I said, well, man, just on a basic level, the idea of walking into a building that, that's full of people and if all the doors are open and I walk by and go, yeah, they're awesome. Yes, that's awesome. Yes, I love them. I said, that fires me up you know. And so he and I just kind of <laughs> concocted this scheme for, for me to come over and, and join. And, and, um, and really the kind of the final bit of the, the final key of the puzzle for me was when he graciously was like, okay, well, what if we do a joint venture too? You know, what if you come over at Spirit, but then we, what if you've got a joint venture and you can sign some writers and you can take ownership in that part of it too? And that was when it really started to feel like, okay, this makes sense. Like this, you know, because if I'm going to be taking time away from sessions and taking time away from production and, and uh, you know, what does it really look like? And, and, and as much as I, you know, love Frank and believe in songs and this kind of stuff, I, I do need to just make sure it's not a, a lateral move for me or that I'm not making a move in the wrong direction. And that was really a big part of it for me where I said, okay, okay, well, this this works because now I can – I can help Spirit. I can be involved there. Frank and I can team up in this. But then kind of as an aside, I also have this thing that I can take some ownership in, you know? So, you know, we kind of presented, he presented it to the, to the you know, Spirit's an international company. He presented it to the to, to the guys that, that run that, John Singer, Joe Brino, Rax, Engvi. And they, um, they were in. They said, man, Frank, we, you know, we're hiring you to make moves and this is a move. So, <laughs> you know, uh, we'll, we'll ride this with you, you know, and, and we just, you know, I hit it off with all those guys on a personal level. And so we began that relationship, you know, and that was, you know, we kind of started that negotiation back in the spring, but I think my official start date at Spirit was like June 2nd. So I'm, I'm just over six months into that, that whole thing there. So. Still overwhelmed? Are you figuring it out? I'm turning a corner. Yeah. You know, so when talking about that, you have a really unique perspective, I think, because, you know, again, I've done publishing for a long time. But the one thing I don't have and bring to the table is that incredible, vast knowledge and connection you have of actually being in the studio, mm -hmm. of actually working directly with a lot of artists in that room, even mm -hmm. not as a pretty just sitting there and hearing 
where their head's at and yeah. what they're doing. And yeah. and as we know, our business is very informational driven, especially Absolutely. for writers wanting to write hits, the more, sometimes, sometimes you got to write from the heart and Absolutely. whatever happens yeah, in the room. Absolutely. but. The more knowledge you can have to help them guide them is amazing. Mm, yeah. And obviously you have a wealth of knowledge. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, the thing I tell everybody is, you know, and I definitely had some of those conversations, particularly with some of our younger staff. It was, you know, you can tell they're, they're kind of looking at you going, okay, tell us how to do this now. You know, what, how does, how do, how do we get a song to Luke Bryan, you know, or whatever. And it's like, well, okay. I mean, you know, for all of us, you know, the getting it to them is less than half the battle. You know, at this point, you know, if you've got some senior people at a publisher, you get the contacts. You can get the song to them probably, you know, at least to at least to within a degree of them. Especially currently, man. Everybody's pretty open and most of the time you have somebody's email that matters. That's so right. You that's can right. Get that's it right. To, yeah. Get it in the door. Yeah. And for me, it's really about like, it's all just hedging bets, right? Because, you know, the reality is, is music is subjective, Right, it's, and and man, someone could just be in a not great mood that day, and if they hear the song, you know, you, you, the stars have to align of like the song at the time with the opportunity. You know, it's you kind of the perfect scenario is it's like, well, this artist happens to be looking, and you get it to the right person when good things are happening, and they get excited about it for whatever you know for one of any of a hundred reasons. And it kind of makes it through. That being said, you know, you could pitch the perfect song in the perfect form to the perfect person and the things being the way they are, it just doesn't go over well that day. <laughs> but you've probably all had this, you know, it's like I, there's a story I always tell about being on a session one day when the, for a big artist for, uh, it was when one of the awards nominations were revealed, and that artist who would typically be in a lot of stuff was nominated for zero. And let me tell you, that Ooh, session was good not awesome. Okay, <laughs> and that can you know, if you were the person that pitched them the song of the year on that day, I guarantee you, it ain't getting cut. You know, <laughs> well, you probably watch more dreams get crushed. Of the uh, as publishers, you get in there, we're going to cut your song, and somebody slides in that last minute oh, too. They just dude. bumped your song off, and you're like, "Really?" It's happened to my friends. You know, I mean, I've had to. You know, early on, they're always texting you, aren't they? Hey, always. man, what are they cutting on the well, session, and, dude? And, and a lot of the publishers too. I mean, and that was, and you know, early on, I had no problem sharing that information. You know, I'd always, I was always happy for my friends that you know, publishers that you know. People at Universal be like, hey, could you let me know if you guys cut this song today on so and so? You know, and yeah, hap happily, you know. And then, but you know, I got burned a couple of times telling people like, well, yeah, man, I charted it. I think we're cutting it this afternoon. And somehow after lunch, <laughs> that song was not being recorded again. And then you got to call them back, and they're like, oh, well, we're at Rebar having drinks right now. <laughs> you know, yeah. Sorry, man, I it turned on. You know, so after, you know, I did that for a little while, and now I've kind of just backed off. I kind of just try to not you know, pump anybody up. Cause I've also had this in instance where we cut the song, but then ultimately they get off of it for whatever reason. And it doesn't even get finished out. And then ultimately doesn't make the project. And that's another thing too, that happens, you know? So oh, I've been on all sides of every way. It, I can lose a cut. Absolutely, man. I was saying until it's in plastic, yeah. don't count it, you know? So backing up a hair, as your role and given what you have, and, and I know, you know, understand fully the, the, well, 
on a on a creative level you understand what publishing is because again like you said i know you're around people like myself and you befriend the the thing how do you see because you have a unique company over there now but as yourself what do you see the value of when you bring a writer on board Mm -hmm. what do you how do you see mentoring them and helping them out along in their journey yeah, well, again, I, I kind of circle back to the the hedging of the bets thing is it's like, I think a lot of the right things can be relatively obvious, you know? Um, you ever seen that thing that's like a, you know, it's that list of like things that don't take talent, right? <laughs> <laughs> Showing up on time, treating people good, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? But I think there's a lot of things that people do that they don't realize kind of put them maybe put them outside of the the strike zone sometimes, you know? And and I don't mean that necessarily in a song of like, well, if you say this, they're not going to cut that, blah, 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 you know? But there are some ways to kind of hedge bets and and, and particularly to even demos of songs, right? Um, with with writer producers, um, the, I think there are certainly cases where a demo is overproduced sometimes, right? And that can... It can help, but sometimes it can hinder too. And 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 the bottom line too is they maybe spent time working on that demo, and it's overproduced, and they could have just been writing another song that day, you know. And there's a fine line, and that it's also a moving target because it's different for you know if it's going to this artist, it might we might lean a little bit overproduced. If it's going for this person, I don't think that's quite as big of a deal. It's going to get through, and there, if even if they cut this, they're not going to cut it in this style anyway. I think the core of the song is so. For me, for for new writers that we're signing, if they're young and you know, if I can bestow any knowledge on them, it's going to be in those kinds of things. It's it's essentially the for me, it's the baby bumpers philosophy at the bowling alley. It's just like, okay, it's going to take a while t- for you to get throwing strikes consistently. So what I'm going to do in the meantime is just keep you out of the gutters. Oh, that's great. Right. You've played on so many demos, so you, you know what hit songs sound like. There's a, there's mm-hmm. an intrinsic knowledge there, but also you will know what doesn't work. I tell my writers, yes. if I can offer anything, and I like to say, we are looking at this through the lens of trying to get something through uh, corporate to make it corporate radio compliant. So I'm not trying to judge your art, but if you want that fine target, here's a bunch of things not to do. Like, Absolutely. And there's just little things that you walk through that, that kind of help that's, keep them online. That's right. You're just keeping them out of the gutters, man, with that kind of stuff. And, and some, it, somebody listening may be going, well, what are those? And that's kind of a fluid thing, really. There's completely. not like I couldn't just sit here in the microphone and list them off. It's when you hear the song, you go, ah, man, you probably not, let's yeah. fix that or change that. Yeah, completely. You know. And then you get into the real minutiae and the, the kind of the relational part of it where you go like, hey, this song is awesome. If you're thinking about it for Blake Shelton, he will not say that. Like mm. this this line, he will not say. I've been in things like he's not going to say this. So you're going to have to change it. Or, yeah, you want so and so to do this. Like they're not going to say a girl's name that's not their wife. Right. So you're going to have to. I mean, and that gets into some of the real, real nitty gritty of the insight. You know, Kenny Chesney hates slide guitar. He hates it so much. He wouldn't let Joe Walsh play slide on his record. You know, it's that kind of stuff. And I mean, that's super inside, but you know, that's the really zoomed in kind of stuff. But there's, if you zoom out, there's a lot of easier, a little more universal stuff like that where you can just say, yeah, look, I'm not trying to talk about your art, but if you're looking for this, you know, at least get the right ball. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the AIMP Nashville Pubcast. 
Subscribe now on your favorite podcast platform and follow us at AIMP Nashville to keep up with news, events, panels, and even new episodes. The AIMP Nashville podcast is created by executive producers Dale Bobo and Tim Hunsey, producer Brandon Harrington, mixing and editing by Casey Porter. Thanks for listening and supporting the AIMP Nashville podcast.